0: Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 FM, Chai Chinuch, Rabbi G. We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 and we discuss Chinuch, meaning how can we improve, how can we improve ourselves, how can we improve our families, our communities, our country, our city, just make the world actually a better place. Today, we're going to talk about improving our communications communicating with our spouses, with people that we are within relationship, and you know, the question we sent out before the show regarding uh, today's guest is, can therapy really save my relationship? Uh, And I think it's a very big question, uh, especially that the guests I have today, uh, Lara Nowak, who is a social worker. Uh, with the private practice, very successful here in town. And she does a lot of uh, work as well with Gottman, who probably answered that question very easily with saying, well, just come into a room and in 15 minutes I'll predict if uh, I can save your relationship or not. Uh, But we're gonna see how we can work around that. Are there parameters that will help us save a relationship no matter what? Are there times that, no, we can't? Are there things we can change to make relationships work? And obviously we're going to be focusing quite a bit of, uh, uh, you know, personal uh, marriages or relationships on that level, but it's, I think, as well as relationships in general. I know um, Gottman has used a lot regarding marriage and relationships, but I actually think it's very important regarding kids as well. Because, you know, as we go through the fun- fundamentals of uh, how do you end off a fight and what do you leave off and are you going to be in a situation that the other person feels um, criticized or suffocated or that they can't communicate, uh, we need to be mindful about it for our kids as well and how they feel at the end of a conflict with us and parents as well. So there's a lot to be discussing and we are going to go straight into it. Before we start, I do have to just emphasize for a moment Because we are an educational show and we do talk about people that educate and make a difference. And just want to shout out in memory of Dr. Janet Gritzman who passed away a few days ago as a person who uh, made a lot of improvements in the educational field, brought chess as a club, as a hobby into schools, into the community, and made a huge difference in uh, that field and as many other fields as an amazing person that she was. Uh, and we can't go into a show without uh, thinking of her and remembering her. Okay, so the question we started with as I said, uh, can we for uh, can therapy really save our relationship or can we save our relationship or sometimes it's too late? Before I ask my guest Lara Noick, social worker and Lara Noick about it, I'd wonder your thoughts. Listeners, what do you think? You're sitting in the car, listening wherever you are. What do you think? Can we always save a relationship or sometimes it's not worthwhile saving? What are your thoughts about saving and fighting for relationships? 34519 is an SMS line at 34519 SMS or Telegram. Send us a Telegram 0618951019 0618951019 Can we save relationships? So, Good afternoon, Lara. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me again. It's okay. So lovely to be back.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, apparently, I speak too much, and by the time we started to s- went to start, Craig already wants me to go out for the first ad break. <laughs> and as we know, Craig is the boss, so we're going to leave off with this question: Can we really save any and every relationship? And we will take a short ad break. And when we're back, we'll start diving into it. Short break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9, we are back, right about to start the discussion, fascinating discussion. Can we save relationships? What can we do to make our relationships better, improve them, work with them? And in studio with me today is Lara Noick, social worker, Lara Noak, who has many years of experience and professionalized in relationships and communication good afternoon again and thank you so much for being with us thank you <laughs> okay so first of all but as we start maybe introduce yourself your practice what you do so for the listeners
1: so yes as, as you said rabbi I'm a, I'm a social worker I work in private practice um, I've been working with couples for many 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 years so um, I would say about at least 11 to 12 years and it really came to me Um, I was working in an organization at the time and uh, my mentor Etta Goldman um, who is a wonderful couples therapist walked into the room and saw me reading a book called um, I Would Change My Husband for a Housekeeper which is by the way a really great um, research based book on on (laughs) married with children and we got talking and she really brought me into some of the work that she was doing and was a huge influence on me Um, and since then um, I've really just you know, learn to different things. I call myself integrative, although I do love the work of John Gottman, um, and really do enjoy. I think I'm a facilitator at heart. So I love facilitating a space for couples to learn, grow, and heal.
0: Okay, so you're basically giving them that safe space to start working together and towards each other.
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, the uh, aim. <laughs> according
0: according to your reputation, you do so That's fine. Okay, so m- maybe because we're going to be speaking quite a bit about his work introduce us to John Gottman for the listeners who are not familiar.
1: Ah, so John Gottman is quite an interesting character. He started off as a researcher, and he says, I think, qu- quite tongue-in-cheek, he said he couldn't do relationships, so he decided to research them. And him and his colleague did a lot of research, and probably the most extensive research with couple work, um, longitudinal, etc. And he created what's called the Love Lab, where couples used to go in for a weekend. It would be like a B&B kind of setting, except one-way glass and cameras. Um, I think there were, there were measures made for uh, modesty, but he would watch them. Very, very carefully, and he accumulated a huge amount of data. Um, and one of the things he is the most famous for um, is this idea that within 15 minutes of meeting a couple and specifically seeing them argue, he can predict with over 90% accuracy whether um, a relationship will, will end or, or they'll be able to stay together. This is obviously without his interventions, uh, which is a great party trick, I always say. Um, but then what he did then with his. That's w-
0: a huge point without intervention because those numbers can change drastically when we look at the intervention that can be done and can help and can improve the relationship.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and then what he did with his wife Julie Gottman, who is actually a psychologist, and he did eventually meet and marry and, and have a good relationship with, um, is that they created this theory, this this model of working with couples that is based on the research and is based on what he called the masters and the disasters. The masters are the thing the people what what people do naturally to make their relationships succeed and the disasters are what people do naturally to make their you know, relationships very relationship. difficult. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he took all of the Starting and created a really lovely um it is also integrative it's quite cbt based for those of you who know about cognitive behavioral therapy very practical very simple way of of firstly assessing a couple and then working with a couple
0: okay and and the reason it's fascinating as well is because a lot of the measures that he brings and as you'll go through them are measures that are Also up to a person's will of how much is he actually going to fight for this relationship and how much am I really really willing to invest? So would you say it's fair to say that one of the first questions we need to look at is uh, before can we save the relationship is how badly do the people in the relationship actually want to save it?
1: Absolutely. I think, And I'm so happy you said that because when I was thinking about that core question, can therapy save a relationship? And I was thinking what my answer would be. I was thinking my answer would be yes and no. (laughs) You know, therapy can't save anything. It's the people in the room that are doing the work. And that's why it's so important to understand two things for me. Well, quite a few things. There's quite an intensive assessment process you do in terms of Gottman's work. But two key questions that I will always ask a couple is one, are you committed to this relationship? Because this is gonna be work and you need to be committed to do the work, right? And are you committed to this therapeutic process? <laughs>
0: and how hard are you willing to work?
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah, I always say it's like a marathon. You can't say, oh, I think I'm gonna, um, I'm, I'm gonna maybe run a marathon, I'll see how it goes. If you're gonna run a marathon, you're gonna have to put the work into it, or you're not gonna get very far.
0: Exactly, and I think it's very important to understand and, and many times this comes up in discussions, therapists are not magicians. Mm. Um, and they can't uh, not the magicians are magicians but that's a different <laughs> show and a different topic but therapists are not magicians and they cannot fix it for you Yes, uh, and they can guide they can be there, they can support but it's a process that anybody who wants to go through a process to improve their lives or their relationships they'll need to put in the work for themselves
1: Yes, and you know when people say marriage is hard work, <laughs> I often yeah. have people who say, "Well, is this what they're talking about, or is this too hard?" No, no, no. This, this—it's sometimes not easy, and it's about really being able to put that work and effort in.
0: Yeah. However, hard work is a very subjective thing because if you're working hard in something you enjoy, mm-hmm. you won't refer to it as, to it as hard work. I, I go training in a gym with my kids. We have at the space and. Uh, Great, Jim. And my kids are picking up very heavy weights and it's hard work, but they're loving every second. So I would say that in a relationship as well, it's hard work per se. However, it doesn't feel like hard work if you're actually enjoying the hard work.
1: Mm. Yes. Would you agree agree. with that? Sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we often, you know, one of the things that, that Gottman speaks about is the myths of relationships and he speaks about the myth of compatibility and one of the things i often facetiously say is we often do find that person who um feels like the most inca- incompatible person and that's the person we marry and that's who you should marry because there's no one that can push our buttons <laughs> quite like our partner and that's why it can sometimes feel harder um right but yes i mean for for certain i believe it's worth it
0: <laughs> it's it's worth it and, and can become enjoyable okay so let's start going into the steps that he talks about I know we're, not, we're probably not going to start with the four horsemen because that's, I think, step three or it's, I'm not sure where it's there, but the, the horsemen are probably the most uh, famous part of his work. I'm but happy let's to start, start with that. Should we start with that? Yeah. Okay, we'll start with the popular and, and known.
1: Okay. okay. So, so the four horsemen are, are quite fascinating. So the four horsemen, he puts forward as his four main predictors of a relationship not working or a, or a marriage going to divorce. So these are his four predictors. And I'll always remember when I first saw this, because it was a long time ago when there were still DVDs <laughs> and I was sitting I was sitting, and I was watching it on a DVD on my computer. I don't even think I have a device anymore that can play a DVD in my home. And he said, these are my four best predictors that a relationship will fail. And I remember thinking, sure, this is going to be really something. And I, you know, I, I sat forward and then he said them and I kind of felt a bit disappointed. I was like, obviously, you know, this is so obvious. I could have read this in the Fair Lady magazine. But I think <laughs> that the simplicity belies the depth because I think that there's so much when you look at each one of it and I see it over and over again so let me maybe mention the four and then if we have time I can go a little bit deep into what they actually mean
0: okay a hundred percent and I see some questions starting to come in but we'll get to them afterwards and let's go to the four but you know maybe maybe that's the secret of relationships as you said maybe it is more simple than we think yeah and and, and once you read and you say oh this is so, so, and this makes sense i know this and yeah you do because it's not that hard yeah to the point okay let's go for it.
1: so so the four are criticism <clears throat> defensiveness contempt and stonewalling Okay. Okay. So um, do we have time now to go through?
0: No, but I'm, but I'm anxious. So let's go through one.
1: And then <laughs> we'll, after the
0: ad break, we'll go. Craig, you'll forgive me, right? So we'll do one okay. and then we'll continue.
1: Criticism is fascinating. And we have to differentiate between criticizing and complaining, right? Okay. Criticizing is saying that you're, doing, you're wrong. You're selfish. You're doing something. Whereas complaining is saying, you know, I feel really worried when you tell me you're gonna come home at seven, but you actually came home at quarter past seven, rather than saying you're so selfish and never think of me. So there's a a shift in that. So he speaks about criticism and-
0: So it's about the act and not about the person.
1: Absolutely. And we always want to separate the person with the, with the problem, always, in everything we do as therapists, right? Right. Um, and, and certainly, you know, offer that to our partner to be able to say, you know, this behavior is something that we need to be talking about it. And one of the things I love also about this is he gets, firstly, in terms of criticism, we need to understand that, that people are often critical because there is a deep need that they're trying to ask for, right? So we, we can't just say to people, don't criticize then how are they supposed to express what they want, right? I want I want my husband to, to come home at 7 o'clock, right? So we have to offer an, an antidote. So what Gottman does is with every one of these four, he actually offers an antidote. So don't criticize. Say what you feel and what you need, right? Exactly. Say what you feel and what you need. So
0: I want my husband to be home at 7 o'clock. I, it doesn't matter that from day one he's not good at times and he always messes you up
1: Yeah. at
0: this point. Okay, so w- w- that's the first one, The the you know, the the criticizing and complaining. We do need to take an ad break. I'll just remind what I said in the beginning that as much as he's done his work within marriage couples, this is crucial for parenting, in my opinion. We're not gonna talk about a p- parenting, but just remember. And these points are extremely relevant to what kind of parent you are and what kind of maybe even boss or teacher or educator or whatever, what kind of person you are in, within relationship to the world. And yeah, and again reminder, if you have any comments about this, any questions, anything you want to add, 34519 is the SMS line. Telegram 061 895 1019. I'm here with social worker Lara Nowik. Short break, and we will be right back. Hi FM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 G. We are back in the middle of a discussion. Um, here with Lara Nowik, Social Worker. Uh, who's done a lot of amazing work within um, marriage, couple, counseling, etc. And we just started The Four Horsemen of John Gottman. And I love it how everybody says, well, yeah, he he did all the research. But if it wasn't for his wife telling him, let's make something (laughs) out of this, then... Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No question about it. (laughs) Gottman, you needed your wife. Okay, however, um, and and again, before we continue with the questions, um, and we will address them, so if any you're listening and you have any comments or questions, please SMS 934519 or 0618951019. As well as if you want to be added uh, to a list that you will know ahead of time who's going to be in the show, so you could make sure to make the time and listen. If it's a topic that's important or comment or whatever it is, just send your number or name to 34519 or 0618951019 and you will be able to be part of the broadcast list. And yeah, so back to you. So we, uh, Lara, we spoke about the first horseman who does, uh, who criticizes instead of complaining.
1: Absolutely. Who is the next one? The next one is defensiveness, right? Which is actually, you know, the most um, rational response to feeling attacked by criticism, right? Is to defend ourselves, right? Okay. Um, However, why it becomes one of of the four horsemen is because it creates that dance. Right. It's the critic, it's the criticizes, the defensive, it's the defensiveness, and it creates almost a a vicious circle that never ends. Right. Um, So, again, while it's the most natural thing, what I like, this is my favorite antidote, probably of all of them. Right. The antidote he gives for defensiveness, and I see this in my room and it's the most incredible thing that happens is taking responsibility. Right. Now, I always say to people, you don't have to take responsibility for everything. Right. Because that's really, really hard. (laughs) Right? But can you take responsibility for a tiny piece of this? Just a grain of truth that your spouse is saying that you could say, "Hmm, and we call this validation, right? Yeah, a
0: hundred percent.
1: You're not entirely crazy to be saying that I don't come home every night, and I haven't for our whole marriage. It is difficult for me. Instead of going straight to the oh well, I work for the family, etc., exactly, etc. So, we wanted to just see somebody giving, taking a little bit of responsibility. And when that happens, in even the tiniest way, you see your partner blossom in front of you. It's the most beautiful thing to validate somebody and to feel validated by someone.
0: A hundred percent, and and it's something very important that I'm seeing in my rooms working with couples is that sometimes we're scared to take responsibility of acknowledgement because that means we're in the wrong. And I think it's very important to understand that sometimes you could be acknowledging what went wrong for your spouse and even taking responsibility for the pain that it's caused, uh, as well, even in a case that it's not your fault, that you're not wrong. So if we're talking about this husband who comes home late from work, by him acknowledging that he messed his wife up by coming late doesn't mean that he was wrong for coming late. He could say, hey, the reality is my boss caught me and said that I had no choice and uh, it was a crisis at work and the company would have fell apart without me and at least men like thinking that way, that if they leave work, everything's going to fall apart. And whatever it is, I had no choice, but still take responsibility for how his wife feels while still understanding that he had no choice. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because that's where it gets complicated many times because if I take responsibility, that means I'm wrong, but I wasn't wrong, I had no choice.
1: Yeah, and we can and define that. I love that. And for me, the magic word there is the word and. Worlds change with the word and. If we can take our butts out and put and there and say, um, you know, my bus stopped me and I couldn't come and the whole company would have fallen apart. And I understand how inconvenience that was, inconvenient that was for you. And, you know, that this wasn't the first time. If we can hold both of those, you know, what a gift. That, that for me is an incredible gift.
0: Yeah, the, the being able to hold multiple um, feelings for the same Actor or angles is is one of the foundations. Okay, we're going to run out of time. So, what is our next horseman?
1: Okay, so let me go a bit quicker then. Okay, so the third one is contempt. This is number he's number one predictor, right? So contempt for me, and, and this is Laura more than Gottman, is criticism on steroids, right? So how he describes it is contempt, and you can feel contempt when it's in the room, right? It's when one partner feels that they are superior to the other in some way and they speak like that in sarcastic ways or the way they speak and it it, it can be as i say it's almost visceral in the room you can almost feel it when there's contempt in the room now what's the antidote for contempt the antidote for contempt is not no contempt. (laughs) you know this is this is a tricky one right the antidote for contempt Mm -hmm. is we need to be creating an atmosphere where there's appreciation, when there's fondness, We need to be creating a whole culture, a whole different culture. And for me, fondness and admiration is a huge thing. Appreciation is a huge thing that's missing here. And we we are taught in our lives not to look for what's there, to always look for what's not there and then to name it. And we have to train ourselves to look for what's there and then to name that.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, you know, when we talk about contempt and kind of one feeling more superior to the other one, Let's look at it from another angle. What happens and do you find sometimes in the room that actually neither of them are being more superior to the other one or feeling that way, but one of the partners is feeling that way? Meaning could it be that it's just a false feeling of one of the partners that you know, my spouse thinks that they're like worth so much more than me? And when you speak to the spouse, you see like, no, she doesn't think that way or he doesn't think that way. However, it's coming across that way.
1: It's interesting because I think it's always about perception, right? If, if I'm seeing that, I would always check that out. I mean, I, I don't believe on an objective level there will ever be someone who is objectively superior than another. You know, there's there's strengths that we all bring, there's challenges that we all bring, and it might just be something very specific that they're feeling like that in, in you know, um, in one specific area, and we would always check that out.
0: Exactly, because many times when somebody does feel superior, it's not because they're feeling superior, it's because other people are feeling um, I guess not confident enough mm. so it really does come in from that space so on a practical level what would you recommend as an antidote in that situation How, because many times it really is that one of them is feeling more vulnerable
1: yes so I mean the, the the um the intervention would be tailor-made for whatever's in front of me at that moment but quite a for me a almost an intervention hack that I often use because it's such a powerful tool and it's so simple again, is just a basic appreciation exercise. Just looking as I say, we're looking so much for what's not there, right? And to get each person, right, specifically the one who's not seeing it as much, right? To be able to look at what's there, to see it and to say it. What we're doing with that, and that's why we call it more of a CBT type exercise, is we're actually building neural pathways in our mind that are teaching us to be able to see what's there, and say it. Instead of coming in, I always say to um, to people, the very skills that are going to make you successful in business, you know, those critical thinking skills, are going to ruin your relationship. Leave them in leave them in the business world and you're going to come in with rose colored glasses to this relationship.
0: Exactly. And see the differences between the realities. And at the same time, what I would find helpful many times is just to actually make sure the other spouse um, understands completely how the other one's feeling. And sometimes that would be enough to address it as the spouse would say, oh, I never believed that's how they feel. And of course, I don't feel superior to you. Well, that sounded a bit superior the way I <laughs> said it, but you get the idea. And I, I, just by putting it out there and making it you know, as an open discussion, would many times change that environment.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much about just, you know, communicating, connecting, you know, so much of what I'm seeing in, with couples at the moment is just that couples have lost each other and they need to find each other. And so much, if I had to give you, you know, one thing that couples need to be doing more is listening, listening, empathizing, and if you can, validate best gift you can give each other
0: exactly we'll see if we have time afterwards to get what happens when one of them is fed up which does happen quite a bit our fourth horseman
1: so the fourth one is stonewalling right and what he said here and what he can see and it's also it's almost like a build up of the criticism defensiveness con- contempt and um, there is a bit of a gender discrepancy that he says men are more likely to do this i'm a stonewaller so i'll own that as well <laughs> is that when you get so flooded from so many, many attacks and contempt and it, et cetera, coming your way, right? That you're almost not up there anymore, right?
0: Is You'd, what we like to say that men are in their cave.
1: Well, well, they go into the cave, even if they're sitting in front of you, they would completely withdraw, right? They, they are, and, and I do often ask couples that we need to differentiate between passive aggression Sulking, withdrawing, time out, which is a great skill, and punishment. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's a lot to go through. <laughs> we we okay. have to look at that, but the, but it, but in short, the antidote here, and this is probably where it fits in more with the DBT type model, is understanding when we are doing that, understanding when our spouse is doing that, and we talk about self-soothing. Right, because any conversation is that's going to happen at that moment is not going to be a good conversation. Right? We need to learn how to self-soothe, you know, to get ourselves down where we can have some access to our frontal lobe and we can have a different kind of conversation.
0: A hundred percent. And again, it goes to knowledge and to understanding. And when you know that you can respect it, I've quite a few times I had with clients that they came to me and speak about even if we talk about Shabbos meals and they'd say we're having a family meal and everybody's together and then dad. And, and I'll own it as a man. He starts getting impatient or uh, a, you know an edge. And really, what he's having is a sensory meltdown. and many and many times we've tried it that I work with one of the parents who has the sensory overload and the sensory meltdown, and they'd learn about it. And then they'd have a family meeting and say, "Hey, kids, I'd like to tell you what a sensory meltdown is." And their kids are able to even look at a meal and say, Okay, dad's having a sensory overload, mom's having a sensory overload, and then the father will say, I'm not upset, I'm just going out to soothe myself and, you know, gather my ability together and come back, and then it's fine. And when people understand that they're very accommodating, including kids, including everybody, understanding that it's not that my spouse is exploding, my spouse needs a few minutes to breathe and to go outside and to, you know, regain their their peace and calmness and medulate and they'll be fine, it helps everybody work with that.
1: I absolutely love that, and I think what a beautiful conversation to have. Um, and in the couple relationship, what an important conversation to be able to have. You know, honoring somebody's need for timeout, honoring, acknowledging, we've got to, it's about self-awareness, right, aware, aware, aware that we are, Flooded at the moment, um, and what we need to self-soothe. People need different things, but I think time out, as I say, is a great, great technique. The rules for time out, though.
0: <laughs> exactly. We were sitting in a meal, and my five-year-old. I heard her over- tell my her older brother about me. I think that's having a century overload, <laughs> which was the cutest thing What on beautiful
1: Earth. language for a party <laughs> old to have. You know, put exactly. her in good stead for the rest of her life.
0: Since then, it's a century. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so going back to our, so, our discussion, so we went through the four horsemen and the relevance of the antidote. We do need to dive a bit more, but there's quite a few SMSs coming in. So um, maybe we'll start going through them. So the first message came in, was can one person only make a marriage work?
1: Ooh, that's such a tricky question and such a good question. Thank you for that. For me, um, I think that's quite nuanced, right? And I I would want to... I I would certainly invite the person into the room to understand what's happening in the relationship, right? I certainly think that one person can help to improve things in the relationship and can shift things in the relationship, right? But I, I, I wouldn't want to give a... Um, a flat answer to that i would want to give a customized answer to the specific situation so it depends on the person is that is say. that is that a cop out or is that okay <laughs> it's okay you're
0: allowed to we'll we'll we'll, we'll give you a pass but I, i'll say that in, in in the way i view it many times is mm. we need to remember that fundamentally when a couple comes to you they did start off loving each other and they did start off in a way that they wanted to work and they're interested in making it work and sometimes they'll say no it wasn't really love or what Whatever it was that brought you together, something brought you together. And that thing that brought you together can be re-sparked. And what happens is that when a couple, if they're both fed up, that's usually the term I use because a lot of times when they're not interested in fighting the war or putting the investment is because they're worn out, they're fed up, they're not interested, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're hurt. I do find that if one of the spouses is willing to give a shot in putting everything they can to l- relight their partner's spark and to relight the flame in their spark and get then get their partner on board, they have a good chance. Mm. So can one person do that themselves? I don't think so, but I do think that one person can do enough to get the other one interested enough to make it to work.
1: To come into the room, and to show up, because it's really about showing up. Exactly,
0: and to be engaged and to be there. Okay, another the uh, message coming in uh, okay thank you for the show it's uh, enjoying because okay, it's great uh, let me let me go through the messages okay another interesting question okay thank you thank you for the compliments uh, great show my question is about a marriage that is okay not great but not problematic is there place for intervention there thank you
1: Oh, I love that question, and I'm going to say absolutely yes. And I, lo- I always say I'm not in the, in the business of necessarily, you know, avoiding disaster or avoiding divorce. I want to build great marriages here. I want to help you to build a great marriage here. So, absolutely, if you're, if you feel that you're stuck in a place where it's okay, right, and you would love to, you know, cre- create more satisfaction, more closeness, better skills, better ways of communicating with each other. Absolutely. I, I think there's such a myth and a fallacy that we have to wait for for things to be really problematic to come into couple counseling. And, and I, I love that. I, I think that that is great. And I, I would really encourage you to do that work. It's, I mean, so, this is the person so let, you're so going to be spending the rest of your life with, hopefully. So exactly. let's make this a great experience.
0: Exactly. And I think it's extremely important because... As as you mentioned, relationship work can be work, can be hard work. So if you're not enjoying it, if it's not if you don't have those special moments, it's just okay, then it will it will tend to get worse mm. and it will tend to get difficult. And as we go further in life, mm. challenges in life get harder, not easier. As much as we thought that as kids, you know, when we'll be an adult, everything will be perfect <laughs> and nobody's will no one will tell us what to do and whatever it is it's not exactly that way. Um, And and stress of life does catch up with us. And if we don't improve our relationships, we will find that challenge. But we do need to speak about tools to improve. And I, I would say that by just asking that question and deciding that I'm invested in this relationship and making it better, then you will. If you have a car, and you know nothing about cars, but you want your car to look good and to be better. You'll figure it out, and you'll figure out how to fix it up and how to make it work. And if you have a business and you want to make the business better, you'll figure it out. And the first step is just deciding: Hey, my relationship is okay, but I want it to be. I want an upgrade in my relationship. And don't think like sometimes people say: Well, an upgrade means somebody else. Definitely not. An upgrade means what can I do to improve my relationship? And just by having that focus you will start shifting things. Do you agree?
1: Absolutely, and um, you know, th- it reminds me of, you, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Exactly. Um, it reminds me also of, of Heidi Schlaffer, who creates, um, created well, Imago and, and um, Encounter centred Therapy. Um, you know, she stands up and she'll often say, you know, I've been married seven times, and everyone goes, oh! And then she says to the same person, right? Because we're <laughs> renewing our relationships all the time. <laughs>
0: and exactly and and making the relationship work and grow and achieve does um does does that happen actually do people actually come to your clinic and say hey we're okay but we want to make it better
1: yes not enough but absolutely yes
0: okay and what are the things that you would recommend that people can do at or when we say try this at home, what can we try at home? <laughs> but before you answer, and we do have to take another ad break, we will take a short ad break, and when we come back, we'll discuss what can we do at home to make things better. 101.9, Chai FM, Rabbi G. We will be right back. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, Chai FM, with Rabbi G. Okay, so we are back after... Uh, another ad break in the middle of a very interesting discussion. And we were kind of talking about what can we do to improve relationships? What actually does work for a marriage? What can we do to improve our relationship? And I would love to send that question out to the listeners as well. What can we do? to make our relationships work. 34519 is a SMS line. 061-895-1019 is Telegram. Again, Telegram 061-895-1019 or SMS 34519, as well as if you want to just send your name so we can uh, give you a link to know ahead of time who's gonna be in the show so you can prepare and connect. Uh, with pleasure, just send in to 34519 as SMS or 061-895-1019 what does work for relationships?
1: So what Gottman then went and did is he created what he he called the sound relationship house, right? So these are the elements to the relationship that we want to be working on and working towards. And I actually have it in front of me and I'll try to describe some of the principles. I don't know if we'll have time to go through all of them. But interestingly enough, he says the foundation of any good marriage and any good relationship is friendship right and he speaks about friendship okay. and i always think that's interesting because i think we have quite an idea of what friendship is <laughs> and when i think of friendship and i think of my friends i get excited when i see them i am a cheerleader for them i know them especially my friends from school i know them really well um i'm rooting for them i'm on their team um th- there's something really special about a friendship and when he talks about friendship in relationships i, I, I yes.
0: agree but i'm worried because I don't know how much we know about friendships. I have to say that not long ago, I was sitting in a workshop with um, young students, and I asked that question, what is a friendship? And the majority of the young students in the room pulled out their phones and Googled it. Oh I'm gosh. not joking. They, I had it once with them and once when I asked what is success and and that was fascinating to watch how everybody's checking on their phones what is a friendship. So it's it's a point we maybe need to look at at the show at a later point. What is a friendship and how it works?
1: Well well, I will say that when a researcher says that we've got to look at friendship he can't just say that you know and say well how are we supposed to do it and he actually divides it into three steps in terms okay. of the couple relationship. So the first steps he talks about is building love maps. He says we need to know each other. We need to have a cognitive map in our mind of our partner, of our spouse. And I always say it's the big things and the little things. So I need to know how my husband you know, likes his coffee, why he likes his coffee like that. I need to understand what his favorite meal is. And I also need to understand who's, what's irritating him at work at the moment, what his dreams of the future are, and vice versa. We need to understand the little things and the big things because the little things are not little things ever. You know, one of the things Gottman often says is small things often. That's what builds our relationship.
0: But When I tell somebody you need to know that In my eyes, that's a bit late because I want them to want to know that.
1: Yeah, I I love that. And I think that one of the things we want to bring, and I think that comes back to the commitment, to, to the commitment and the willingness. We need two people here that are willing to do this. And when people say to me, Well, how do I build love maps? What do I do? You've got to be curious, right? You've got to be curious and you've got to ask questions. Right. What does that look like to you? Why are you doing that? I've always wondered, you know, I see you spending more time with that person and you used to spend more time with that person. Why? <laughs> so we need to get that curiosity going. Absolutely. Be
0: interested and want to know. Yeah. I once had a yeah. couple sitting by me and um, the his wife said, well, I don't care what anything about his car. He's so excited about his car. I couldn't care less what car he drives. And I don't know. And I don't want to know. And it's none of my business about her husband. And I asked her, who's your favorite celebrity? And she said and I said, "And what car does he drive?" And she knew.
1: Mm. And I said, "That's very interesting <laughs> because
0: you're very interested about who you're interested about.
1: I love that and and, and two, two points on that is we say, you know you don't need to be interesting, you need to be interested. Exactly. right. Um, and um, and yes, that that comes through curiosity and asking questions and and I always also say if it's important to you, it's important to me, right if, if, Even if it doesn't feel important to you, but it's important to your spouse, make it important to you too.
0: Because your your spouse is important 100%. So we said that uh, wanting to know about yeah. the other person. So what it's building
1: the... those love maps, those cognitive maps in our mind. We want to share find, and admiration, which is what I spoke of before. We're so trained in critical thinking, right? We want to leave that behind. and We want to train mm-hmm. ourselves to see what's there and to say it, right? Basic appreciation. And we want to be able mm-hmm. to turn towards each other and connect with each other, right? So one of the things I often do with couples is dialoguing. Right. I do specific dialogue conversations where couples listen, reflect, empathize, validate, etc., which is a really connection. And we want to be carving out, as I say, small things often. We want to be carving out and I'll talk maybe just now we have time um, on the five magic hours where we carve out times of connection. For each other during the day. And during so I think the week. that's crucial.
0: So let's go down that route because many times I'm, uh, I'll hear from couples that we're doing things together, and mm-hmm. I know, always say stop doing things together, because you're looking for a third party. So we're going out somewhere. We're looking for something to get us connected. Instead of being interested in your spouse, you're interested, okay. What am I going to do with my spouse? Forget what you're going to do with your spouse. Start doing with your spouse. I love it doesn't that. matter
1: what. So
0: let's look at these five
1: points. Okay, so these are the five magic hours. So what Gottman said is these are five hours a week, not a day. So don't panic. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to do five hours a day. It's five hours a week. It's less than one hour a day. And these okay. simple little hacks are going to help you to connect with your spouse. The first thing he is, is, and we look at transition times, how we leave each other and how we come back to each other in the evening. How we leave, It doesn't always work like that with spouses working together and COVID and all of that. But in theory... How how we leave each other and how we come back to each other. And we want to be asking our spouse every morning, what does your day look like today? Tell me about it. What are you excited about? What are you worried about? Tell me. You want to be able to talking about the day ahead. That's the first one, right? Okay. Second one is at the end of the day, we want to end, there's something called a stress reducing conversation where we want to understand, you know, how did the day go? What were the highs? What were the lows? You know, what really happened with that meeting? Why did that happen? So those are the first two. Before that, Which and is after. crucial,
0: and I'm not going to stop because we're running out of time. But it really got lost when people stopped leaving the house for work, and that he—that's one of the first things that affected marriages. Yeah, in that a lack way.
1: of transition time. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and even asking about each other because there's no hello goodbye. I know all...
1: how your day was. I was with you all day. <laughs> exactly.
0: Too much. Okay.
1: Yeah. The third one is just appreciation, right? So it's really about expressing the seeing the good and and, and expressing it, which I've said quite a bit of. The four is he's, the fourth. He speaks about physical touching. He speaks. He's very famous about the six-second kiss, which he advocates for. And he says, make time when you can, right, um, to to touch, to cuddle, to hug, etc. Um, And the fifth is what he speaks about as as, as a real connection moment in the week, which we would probably call a date night. And a date night doesn't have to be we go out at night. Could be we stay in at night. It could be whatever it is. But a time about, you know, more than an hour a week where you really sit, build your love map, show that appreciation, have what I I call a dialogue, a real conversation where you're listening to each other. So those are the five. So just to say how you part in the morning, how you come together in the evening, appreciation, physical touching. Um, And one real, you know, time in the week where you're really connecting.
0: Yeah. And and even if you start by designating the time, I mean, once a week that you announce to your family, okay, we're going to sit in, um, the parents are going to sit down and have dinner. Nobody come into the store or kind of designate that time. I think that is amazing. We do need to take our last ad break for this hour and then we will come back for just literally a few minutes of ending up so any comments any questions anything you want to message or if you want to be notified ahead of time who's going to be on the show so you can prepare 34519 is sms line or telegram 061-895-1019 short ad break and we will be right back hi fm your station of choice since 2008 we are back for the last few minutes of today's show where I'm here with social worker, Lara Nowick And we were just looking at the break. So many things we haven't covered. and haven't
1: <laughs> so uh, got to. Is. But you
0: know what? This is our beauty of the show. We're going to focus on the positive, what we did look at. And uh, if I have to choose one more topic and one more thing out of the whole list of that we're frustrated, we'd not get through. A question I get many times from people is, do I really need to be my, my spouse's friend? Why is it so important? we're 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 married, we have kids, we're family, do we need to be friends?
1: So if we look at um John Gottman's definition of friendship, right, knowing each other, sharing and sharing fondness and admiration, and turning towards each other, I call that your emotional bank account, right? So quick, two quick scenarios, obviously it would never happen in real life. I go into my bathroom and I see the socks on the floor next to the next to the washing basket, right? Okay, scenario one. I don't have a friendship with my husband, right? He doesn't know me. He doesn't admire me. He doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't turn towards me. We have no connection. And then I see the socks on the floor. I'm going to lose it, aren't I? <laughs> right? I'm really going to lose it. Scenario two, I go into the bathroom and I see the socks on the floor, right? But I've got this great friendship with my husband, right? And, he, you know, he gets me. He knows my world. He appreciates me. We, we really have moments of connection in the week. It's going to mitigate my response, Right. It's going to be a huge, diff- a exactly. huge, huge difference. And I always say it's not about the socks. It's about the friendship. Right. So that friendship, that closeness, that connection actually creates an emotional bank account. For you that you might need to take out you know if you are one of those that does put their socks on the floor etc 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 right but it creates a strong foundation which is why it's really the foundation of the sound relationship house that you can work for so i always say don't even look at problem solving until you have a good friendship going right because problem solving is tricky even when you're friends and it's impossible if you're not friends <laughs> right
0: exactly. so it's
1: always the place we start
0: a hundred percent. And, you know, the example is, is fascinating because if we take that example of the socks, I mean, if you have a friendship, then you feel like, shame, please take care of it. And you could talk about it. When you don't have a friendship, many times you look at it as he does it because he doesn't care or he's not interested and he, and I mean nothing and all the hours I do. And it will even get worse and worse and worse yeah. because we don't have that foundation Absolutely. relationship. The
1: meaning we give a pair of socks. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. That's why you have to always go on your phone so you won't notice that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. but and, and as as we say in Hebrew, and exactly that, that, when you're in a relationship and you care, you can tolerate much more and you can Absolutely. be focused on the negative without adding so much extra negative and saying well and it's connected and within 4 minutes it's because he's just like his mom and, <laughs> of and that's
1: that's and where it, it will go <laughs> exactly
0: and then exactly and your mom and my mom and then and then they're fighting about their ancestors and <laughs> not even relevant to what's happening in the house so so that's definitely where we need to see that relationship does come in and the positivity we did not I, and for the people messaging i'm sorry we did not get through uh conflict managing we did not get through uh quite a few of the of the points that we wanted to But well, we did cover quite a bit so for that thank you uh, if anybody wants to be in touch with you how do they contact you um, so
1: I would say you could, you, could, you could email me on Noick, laranoik, L-A-R-A-N-O-I-K, at gmail.com. I'm available on my phone, zero eight two do Don't phone me, but WhatsApp me. If you phone <laughs> me, I'd never answer my phone. Ask my mom. But WhatsApps I generally do get to. So with absolute pleasure.
0: Exactly. <laughs> okay. It's been a fascinating hour. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for uh, going through these uh, points. Thank you, Craig, for managing the show. You trained me well. I'm starting to end in time, hey? <laughs> Well done, Craig. You see a bit of education and you'll get a far a far away with me, a long way with me. Okay. So uh, if you want to be uh, notified who's going to be the next guest on the show, what's going to be our topic? Because we actually have a very uh, important, interesting topic I don't think I've ever spoken on the radio before about uh, coming up next week. So just uh, message to is the SMS line or Telegram 061-895-1019. Uh, another message coming in. Uh, thank you, Larry, for the compliments. Brilliant show once again. Thank you. Yeah, another great show has come to an end, and we will be back together, us and the listeners, next week, Monday, 2 to 3, 101.9. In the meantime, have a good week improve work. And remember, nothing is as important as your relationships and friendships inside your house.